this is a dude who ain't no different than any of us sitting around this table. The only difference is, is he's got absolute ambition. He's got heart and triumph and all of this stuff. And if we've preached anything on this show for the last two years, it's how struggle builds a man. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I don't give w- w- two shits what Andy's selling. If I know this background of an individual and a team, the team that surrounds you, is willing to struggle to keep a boat afloat, that you could you could YouTube all you want to YouTube. I want to know the story of the man. You bet. And your story is a story that every single one of our listeners, hands down, fishermen or not, We'll stand behind a guy with backbone like you got. Hey, flat during good times, tall tell some big lies, fall under your category. Get with Aaron and Joe's, cause you know you wanna go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey, you know you wanna go and hear them cooking up a story. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Cooking Up a Story with Aaron and Joe's. This episode is brought to you by the highest quality crappie sticks you can get. That's ACC Crappie Sticks. You can find them at acccrappiesticks.com. If you're looking to fish like the professionals, that's going to get you started. Those rods are top notch. Man, I just like them because they're green. They're green. They've got all different flavors, whether depending on what you're fishing, if you're fishing in ice, if you're, whatever you're looking for. It's they got that trolling time. rods, jigging rods. They got, to, you know, they got this stinking shooting. They got dock shooting rods. Anything you need to catch some stinking fish. I, man, I tell you what, I was telling our guest Andy a couple weeks ago on the phone. It's time we start taking these boys fishing. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Mm-hmm. Our boys are young. They're into it. It's about yep. time we grab ourselves one of our ACC rods. Go out there, tie a jig or a minnow on the end of it, mm-hmm. build some memories. Yep, that's what my dad's house, he's got a five-acre pond. My God, go that's where we're going. We go out there and slay crappie. My no son, kidding. He, my, my son's left-handed. Dad's got him a left-handed rod, left-handed reel. He just catches fish all day, loves it. It's oh, Andy, do you have, you it's have like any left-handed reels? Places. We don't make reels. We're you working on them. Over? They're the rod guys. On them. Most of them, the spinning reels, you can change the you reel. Bet. Mm-hmm. What's funny is on a bait caster, I have the reel on the right side, but a spinning reel that hangs down, I have it on the left I'm side. I'm the same way. So, and, and a lot of people are, and I have no answer for that. That so, means you're yeah. woke. <laughs> that <laughs> means you woke up that morning to go fishing. <laughs> Amidextrous, maybe. Yeah. Well, if you guys haven't figured out by now, in-house with, with us tonight, we have the owner of ACC Crappie Sticks, and that's Andy Lehman. Andy? What's happening, buddy? Hey, not much. It is nice to be here. It's an honor, and um, glad to be sitting down with you guys and, and having a conversation. Have you heard our podcast before, I guess? Or? I have listened to several of them, and what? the reason I'm here and the reason I got turned on to it, I was listening to a, a Bear Grease, and he got talking about the squirrel, squirrel uh, cook-off, cook-off. and... And he said they're looking for sponsors. Send him an email. I said, I'm in. 
And I thought like 20 people showed up to this thing, and I didn't care. If, if you would have said five people show up, I was going to be here because I thought this is the coolest thing. I'm sitting on my back porch, drinking beer, watching the sunset, and they talk about the squirrel cook-off. I thought, I'm in. There's no way mm-hmm. I'm not going to this thing. I think thing. there's more than five. Well, Andy, the, the truth <laughs> is is we may be podcasters, but we're actually marketing geniuses. Well, it sounds like it. <laughs> and uh, we throw that genius deal out really loosely. Yeah, we're yeah. pretty loose. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you, I think that most of us around the table, even Red Words, can probably tell a good crappie fishing story. And uh, I lost, just this year, I lost one of well, over the last couple of years, I've lost sev- several of my crappie fishing legend buddies. Um, but Richard Carter passed away this year, and that man had been 90 years old for the last 20, 25 Since years. Since we've show. known him, I think. And Richard Carter was a legend on Lake Eufaula and the Canadian Rivers of Oklahoma. And I believe it was two weeks before he died, he was still crappie fishing. Now, there's something we could talk about cornbread, our buddy cornbread. There Billy be, Thomas. There could be four guys in a boat, and there could be one man who's just ripping lips. And uh, it's a, it's a skill set. It's a, it's a sense of touch. It's a technique deal. Crappie fishing has a lot of finesse in it. It's not one of those deals where you're just buzzing an old bait <clears throat> across the top of the water. I wanted to brag on Richard Carter, though. And uh, when I was probably 10 years old, I was in Spiro, Oklahoma, fishing off of a, a coal dock on the river. And they were having the crappie thon in Oklahoma. And that's where there's fish that are tagged and they're worth something. And the goal was was to set out and catch one of these tagged fish. And I didn't catch a tagged fish, but I caught a three-and-a-quarter-pound crappie off of a coal dock. And when I got that crappie up, I didn't even know it was a big one. <laughs> you know, I knew I'd caught some big bass and big other things, and so I just thought it was a normal fish. How old were you at this time? Nine or ten. And uh, we got back to the house, put it on the scale. Yeah, I'd put some WD-40 on that scale to weigh it, and weighed it up, and it was three and a quarter pounds. I went in the house to clean up, and I come back out, and that crappie didn't weigh nearly three and a quarter pounds with both of its sides peeled off. You bet. And filleted. There's not a picture. There was, a, no, there was no catch and release. It was catch and grease. It's, there's a verbal record amongst probably four or five guys that this is a true story. My dad knows about it. Richard knew about it. And, and Richard's boy who would drink Lori Morgan's <laughs> bathwater. <laughs> And Eric Carter, who would drink Lori Morgan's bathwater. Those are guys that have the record that that actually took place. Bill, did you grow up catching any crappie? Well, we caught a few, but we were typically uh, bass fishermen. Oh, those people. And then fly rod with bass and brim. Yeah, Dad said you want to go drown a few minnows. He meant you want to go crappie fishing. You bet. Wet a line. Martinez, best crappie fishing story. Man, I guess I would have to be with my old buddy Billy Thomas. And uh, he always talked about this this uh, dock shooting. And that's why I asked the question earlier in our previous podcast about 
dark shooting because I, I, I didn't know what the hell we was talking about. I thought, do we need to take a gun? Or, and he's like, oh, hell no. You just take this old crappie and you bend that this old crappie rod. You bend right there and shoot, shoot it right in there in the sweet spot, he'd say. And that's amazing. And that's probably the most crappie I've ever caught was doing that. I mean, I've 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 fished off some you know heated docks on Grand Lake with another legendary crappie fisherman, which was Ace Wright, Native American guy. Ace Wright, he had a heated dock, and he would sit there and he would just catch, he'd just be bullshitting with you, catching one right after another, and you'd be ten foot from him, not even what I thought, not even getting a bite, and he'd say, "Hey, trade me places." I'd trade him places, and he'd catch just as many over where I was as where he had been. Yeah, it's a touch. But what the good deal was, I knew all every one of them that we caught was going home with me. That's right. He'd say, hey, just tell me when you're coming. Give me about two hours, or I'll catch you a mess. Aaron? Damn. Crappie fishing story. Man, mine are pretty simple. It's just anytime I can get out to my dad's pond with my son and my dad, and we're, my dad, just he, he lives there. And he does it all the time, but he still gets excited about it. So to see him excited, I get excited. My son gets excited. And for all of us just sitting out there talking, living, and catching catching good-sized crappie and then going up and flaying them up and cooking them that night, it's there's not much better. Second best part of crappie is eating them. Oh, they're so good. Best part's catching them. Yeah, there's nothing better than watching your kids. And you guys are sitting there talking about your stories, and I was going back thinking, you know, and it, it's taking the kids. Yeah. It's going with your dad when you're little. Mm-hmm. And then, and you don't realize how magical it is then. Maybe you do. Maybe you get a glimpse. Or maybe we just remember it now that we, th- we thought it was magical then. Right. And we, didn't, we didn't realize it. But that, and then, and then watching your kids go. And now... Like I was telling you earlier, my daughter's in the Marines. She doesn't even like fishing now. None of the kids do. But when they're little, I'd pretty much make them go. You know, we'd play and eat snacks and swim and drive the boat. Yep. And then they'd fish with me for 20 minutes. And just watching them catch fish. Yeah. And the smile on their face. You know what I think it is, Andy? I think as we get older, we put too many rules and Orders and complications into the simple fact of putting something in the water and trying to catch something in the mouth. And when we're kids, we're just freeballing it. Yeah. You know? And it, hey, some of the best fish you catch in your life is before you learn the commercial side of fishing. Well, you, you made me think of my, my favorite crappie fishing story was because you mentioned kids, but when my son was like four or five, I was probably four and a half or something. Uh, we had a neighbor that had a, a nice pond that had a lot of crappie in it. My dad was still around, and my dad, my brother, and I went over there to Abernathy's place and had my son with me. And he was just so little. He was he was crappie fishing and it had a bobber on it, and he caught one. And when he started winding it up, the bobber and the line got caught on a limb, just a little 
dead water stick kind of limb. And my brother, being the Marine guy that he is, he pulls out his gun and shoots the limb <laughs> in half so the kid can wind it on in. The there you go. First time he ever caught a fish. And, and, of course, you had to pull out the cowboy of David Walker and shoot the limb in half so he wouldn't lose his That's first fish. That's a good story, Bill. <laughs> it yeah, was great. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a po- I had a photograph of my son looking at my dad over his shoulder and uh, an artist did a painting of that so it's been no kids nice. pretty cool let's check that out let's uh and it oh but it's the kid that brings it back to you right you know? that's, that's the best crappie fishing story i ever had in my life i mean it's cool a kid. taking a little one and you know, they don't they're like whoa what they're, they're excited they caught a fish and then they're like oh i don't want to touch it i don't want to touch yeah. it and then you see them progress and they're like oh yeah i'm into it and then they got their little crappie thumb and they're like all about it and they're kissing the fish and taking oh, pictures yeah, and then super proud of it. I mean, just all that progression through there is super fun to watch. We're going to get to some serious crappie fishing, but it wouldn't be a cooking up story show without taking Andy back to his childhood. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so Andy, take us back to where it all began. Well, I think we all start with panfish you know we start with oh, no. No. where were you no. born we're how far east of knoxville no, no, no. are you come on life. we're getting you back to pampers to die yeah. <laughs> we ain't got a ride back to we're going pan. back to how it all started where were you you what don't you have doing? to tell us about the date your mom and dad went on or Go, anything going like to that, that party with your dad and going home yeah. with your mom <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to <laughs> we don't well, have maybe to. not back that far i don't have memories of that we don't have to go quite back to that whole uh, DNA thing, but where were you born? We need a family background on our okay. Uh, Southern Illinois, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Um, Mom and dad uh, still together, uh, born on a farm, a small farm back when you could have a small farm, 365 acres, and we had farm ponds. We rode bikes, we played in the creek. Um, and we fished, and we worked, and I was allergic to poison ivy, and I was covered in poison <laughs> ivy my entire childhood. I'm allergic. You just got over that. Little, little, little I don't know if I'm not allergic to it anymore, or I know how to avoid it. I so don't. Either way, I'm not going to find out. But Don't get a dog on your neck. But man just grew up on a farm in the outdoors, and go on a tangent. I feel sorry for kids now that that don't grow up like that. We didn't have phones. We rode bikes. We played in creeks. We fished. Free range. Camped. Camped on a pond. That's one of my earliest best memories. And I went there the other day. My cousin bought it to, to deer hunt on. And I and I teared up because I saw where I used to camp when I was 8, 10 years old. And we had an old John boat we'd pull up there. And I can still hear the, the jitterbug and the hula popper at night with the campfire going and a bass hitting it. And... I, there's nothing better than that and it just gets in you and then you go to high school and you start partying and girls and you kind of get away from it and then you come back to it you bet it's a mm-hmm. safe place cost it you that is. eagle so, scout so, you might have wanted because so, so when you talked about fishing so when you talked about <laughs> camping one. back then i mean my deal was no quilt and a pillow you, nobody had a tent or a sleeping bag yeah we slept underneath the stars we had a platform and then dad finally put an old camper shell on top of it yeah but we would uh, a lot of times we'd just fall asleep right there by the fire, or we'd go to uh, another one of my grade school friends. They had a lake, and we'd sleep underneath the stars by the fire and 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 fish all night. Set out lines for catfish. You bet. Just amazing stuff. Get the light. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. He, uh, yes. So was your dad an outdoorsman? Yes, he was. He was a farmer and, and worked a lot. He hunted and fished. He wasn't what avid at it. He was, I get, we kind of touched on it earlier. He put meat on the table. He didn't get into the, the gear. The, he didn't talk about it. He didn't read magazines about it. He, he went and did it. He'd go kill a deer and we'd eat it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was it. There wasn't yeah. a, it wasn't a sport, really. Where were you guys farming? Southern Illinois. Where? What? 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 Uh, we had uh, corn, beans, and then 40, 50 head of cattle. Okay. You know, and rotate crops. Yeah. So it was just, uh, you know, like I said, he'd go hunting, sit in the stand, smoke a cigarette. Yeah. No camouflage. <laughs> yeah. Kill a deer and bring it home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we grew up squirrel hunting and stuff. He was never avid fisherman. But I remember standing on the dock one day, going through his tackle box, all the plastic skirts stuck to the plastic. You <laughs> no, know. I know what you're talking about. And <laughs> melted. I remember asking him every bait, what does this one do? What does this one do? How do I do this? And he'd just be like, just reel it in. Just Catch reel fish. it in. <laughs> Catch you know? fish, son. So. Man, that, that description of the tackle box, <laughs> the old Plano tackle box, oh, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, we need to open it up, and all your shit stuck together. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, baits that are worth about five hundred dollars now, yeah. melted to the to the plastic. Oh what man, what caused that? Anybody know that? I think it was cheaper plastic and that, temps. and that damn tackle box in the back of the truck, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the skirts, those rubber hula poppers. It had to been something. You know how they were kind of always greasy or oily. You think that's what it was? Do they still sell the the jig and pig pork rinds, the ones that look like Uncle Josh? We had a store by us called Dobbs, and it they had stuff from fifty years ago. I haven't thought about that. Still rested on that jar. You taste them; they taste salty. (laughs) Yeah, I never ate them, and you can never get them off the jig. (laughs) Yeah, once you put that on there, you're committed, and you didn't catch shit with it. (laughs) Throw the jig away because it's all rusted and stuck together. (laughs) You were committed to that deal, man. That and the old metal stringer. Oh, you bet. You know, lost many a fish due to that. You got that old metal stringer. (laughs) Turtles eating all you catch. Yeah, snapping turtles come up and eat that, (laughs) or the metal basket. That a snake could get into oh, you know, yeah. the basket. Oh, yeah. You, don't you want put to 50 bluegill in there, and you go to get them, and there's a water snake in there. I, <laughs> I, there was there was dreams as as a child that you knew there was probably only three species of fish in that body of water. But, hell, you always thought that there was going to be some sort of monster inside there that you were going to put a hook in the side of his face. Oh, yeah. And uh, when I said that the commercial side of fishing hurts fishing, it's the commercial side of really everything takes the, the child out of the child. And we get to a point, I've said it time and time again, when you're walking through that aisle at Walmart, those lures are set there to catch humans you bet. Mm-hmm. They're not there necessarily to catch fish. And uh, because you, you'll you find the one with the jiggly eyes and, and a, a D battery in that son of a bitch with a boat prop on the back end or whatever it is. The, their innovation is to innovate to catch humans because catching fish is a primal, simple deal. 
if you look at fish hooks and the evolution of fish hooks, they've always basically been the same deal. And I'm talking post ice age, right? Mm-hmm. The the fish hook, whether it's built out of bone, stone, whatever it is. I lived my whole childhood with not knowing anything about a circle hook. But that is the first true <clears throat> hook that that when you date back man, you find circle hooks, right? right exactly. And then probably 25 years ago through me and Martinez's catfishing, I come across the circle hook and knew that we'd catch the fish right in the corner of the mouth more times than not. Um, yeah, I mean, I've listened to a podcast where a guy that lives down in the Amazon, <clears throat> they go out, they don't have anything to catch fish with, and they'll, they'll cut off a piece of their toenail. <laughs> throw it on a hook damn it boy what and are you watching it was it was on rogan catching fish <laughs> on a toenail. with toenail and like for, as for bait or yeah, as, as for hook. bait they got them yellow ones that as look like bait. pistachio yeah. shells they catch uh, a lot more they fish. don't cut they them off still work they don't have any joe martinez toenails i'll tell you that <laughs> but they'll throw those in catch a fish and then start cut that one up cut the first one up start using this bait by so god exit strategy for all of us <laughs> Selling toenails. we need to go down to them asian joints and just collect all the toenails <laughs> i'll let you do that <laughs> you think i'll get, line it out with the asian women and you come pick them up you think getting that pork rind off of a hook was a chore <laughs> Boy, a bitch. You, I'm gonna take, up. you take <laughs> you take a big old master toenail there and put that thing big old stinky you probably gonna need a quarter inch bit <laughs> probably got that damn what is that what are they like look like horses hooves where they got that oh damn. yeah me and martinez was <laughs> hey me and martinez this is 25 years ago we're meeting up with a customer and we walk in <laughs> we walk inside this facility and this is a newspaper bitch, place man. yeah yeah they had like special needs people tying newspapers early in the morning <laughs> We walk inside this place, <laughs> and uh, this old boy's got a pair of like Bill Walker shoes, those Jesus sandals. Oh. And I thought she just meant big. I think no. they were. I think they was. This was pre-Tevas. They may have been Sativa. Uh, they were Payless or something. And uh, me and Martinez is having a decent conversation with this guy when I get a slight nudge and a point direction of look down at this guy's toes. Mm. This so much as these toenails had ridges like a big horn sheep. <laughs> you know how they, I counted yeah. them, and the dude was forty-seven. <laughs> Son of a bitch had a Bangor hat on. Remember that? And so Joe's conversation went from talking about what we were dealing with to talking about Makita tools, because he decided in his mind the only thing that was getting through these toenails was a Makita grinder. And I'm not sure we could pull it off with a hand grinder. We'd have to get him mounted up there to the bench grinder. <laughs> I don't know if we got the gig or not, but the, where I started was, this yeah, conversation... Sorry. He had the big nose hair, too, yeah, man, hanging out there. Some the kind of a hook, wasn't it? Well, where I started this conversation is, is fishing in its primal state. Mm-hmm. is It's actually basically in our DNA. We've always fished as humans. I mean, even right now, globally seafood is the main protein for the majority of the population on earth even if they don't rice. even the, the actual protein, protein the flesh yeah. the, if if we don't live near the ocean we import seafood um it's it's a cheap food it's it's 
sustainable for the most part. I know we've kind of overdone it for the last 50 years or whatever, but what does it say? Well, that one says pork. <laughs> I was going to say that, so it says pork. I don't think that's right. Well, trust me on this that fish is ate more than cows, and uh, it is. So, I, I, as a general ru- rule, pork is the most. That's what, what it says. Well, me. it don't even have fish on there. I guarantee you more fish is ate than goat. Well, fish sheep. are pretty close to plants, so maybe. You know, vegans sometimes will slide by and eat, say they'll eat a fish. They're not far from actually being plants. I think they'd come closer to eating each other, wouldn't they? <laughs> That's true. So the moral of the story is: is fishing is important. Since you got the Google machine up, what population of the American population is out fishing? This, this is something that. 60 million anglers in the U.S. 60 million anglers, $115 billion impact on the nation's economy. $48 billion in retail sales. How then much? If you just get a part of that. I just want one of those billions. <laughs> 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 one forty-eighth would be great. <laughs> so, Is that too much to ask? To, to well, steer the conversation into Andy, because he's our guest. Well, he'll like this. Go ahead. According to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, pork is mostly eaten meat in the world. But, you know, fish is getting on up there toward 34%. There we go. Well, anybody could eat a fish. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather eat crappie than any other fish. Well, my favorite thing about halibut, crappie, and halibut. And the only reason I say that. It's, we don't have halibut here in Arkansas. Yeah. And well, they're the same color. They're I'm very white. I'm a big tuna salmon guy as well. I won't eat a salmon. I'm out on salmon. I don't like it. Please explain. Tried why. it. Well, here's the deal. If you live in the South, we like the flavor of fried cornmeal. Uh, that's why Fritos sell so many Fritos. So I'm a Frito-eating savage. <laughs> we typically... Ay, 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 ay. We typically don't like the taste of fish. We like the taste of... The batter. Of the batter. So, therefore, the reason why the crappie and the halibut and the walleye are chosen species is they taste the least like a fish. Hmm. Andy, what's your favorite fish to eat? I, I like halibut. I'm with you on that one. But crappie, crappie and halibut. Yeah. And I think you're probably right on that about, you know, people don't like, they're like, people that don't like fish, if you fry a little chunk of crappie in some batter they like, breading they like. Mm-hmm. I know where you're going. It's a vehicle for the breading. It's so just yeah. like it. I don't even taste the fish. I Man, can see the yeah. glimmer in yeah. your eye of your sales pitch working yeah. right now behind yeah. the scenes. But, um. No, no, halibut's good. I like a lot of it. Um, Catfish is good, old blue cat. If you ain't got that mud in it. Mississippi whites, you bet. Flathead. Belly meat. You bet. Chicken cutlets. (laughs) Chicken cutlets. cutlets. Seriously. As important as fishing is, did we find out how many sportsmen are actually fishing? It's 60 million, you said? Yeah. 60 million anglers. That's Anglers. That's a large quantity when you're talking about 340 million Americans, plus or minus. And so it is 
me and Andy was talking earlier as we were cruising around. Walmart ain't going to give up that kind of real estate inside the store. Exactly. It takes if a not big, giant there. footprint if fishing wasn't important. I mean, if you think about the footprint that Campbell's Soup or Soup takes up, it's a small section. If you go into a Walmart store anywhere in the country, maybe not in uh, Austin of Chicago, but any, <laughs> any, any place in the country that has the ability to go outside and, and enjoy the outdoors, the fishing section at these big retail stores is giant, and that's because it's important. And what Andy and I was talking about earlier is the difference between a pro angler and a novice angler. Um, anybody can go out and fish. It, it's biblical, right? I mean, it, it's something that's so ingrained into who we are. I don't know if you can buy them nets down there at Walmart. In, two, in 2016, more than 103 million Americans, a staggering 40% of the U.S. population 16 years and older, participated in some form of fishing, hunting, or other wildlife. Associated. And so, what do you think of like you said at the Walmart? Let's just say our local Walmart here in Bentonville. What would you say percentage-wise would be geared towards bass fishing, and then pan fish, and then cat fishing? Well, I think that on our shelves, bass fishing because it's so. glamorized so much on TV has has taken it up. That's the commercial side that I'd like to speak about. Uh, the pan fishing. Is, is diverse because there's a section there with some trout. There's a right. section there set up for perch and crappie. And then if you want to put catfish in the panfish category, you got that. But bass is overwhelming the large deal. It's it's kind of like the difference between squirrel hunting and white-tailed deer. Right. You know, the, the difference is, is you can market panfish. You can't market squirrel hunting. There's nothing to sell. Right. It's it's a hard deal. How did you determine that your your chosen path in life was going to be in the fishing rod industry? Well, it start like um, I said earlier. You know, grew up and and we start, you know, with with bluegill, and then like you just said earlier, we start watching TV and the Bassmasters, and we you know, then you're ten or twelve, you're, you're too old to catch bluegill. You, you want to go do what you know denny brower and and all these guys are doing on tv and go catch these five pound bass out of weed beds and flip them in the boat um and then i was going we were going on a crappie fishing trip to mississippi and i didn't have a crappie rod this was 25 30 years ago so i went to borrow a couple off of buddies and they handed them to me two different brands and that was what was out there and i said why are they so flimsy and they said, what do you mean? I said, well, they just feel like new, Sen- there's just nothing sensitive. there. They're just wimpy rods. Mm-hmm. And I came from bass fishing where you could go buy a $30 Berkeley Lightning Rod at Walmart. And it had backbone. It was stout, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, fast forward, that stayed in my mind. You know, bass fish some more. And then um, I, I, I don't know exactly the, the day I got into crappie fishing. I just gradually got into it. You know, some buddies started going, they'd take me, and I could see that you could sit on a brush pile and catch 20 or 30 fish, take them home and eat them, as opposed to running around the lake trying to chase five bites maybe and turning them loose. Right. And um, I just, something clicked, and I got into it. And then I went back to, you know, 
there's a, 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 a an opening in the market for a stouter, more high quality crappie rod. I was guiding it this time. I got into guiding. I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. I wanted to do my own thing. I had a job I didn't like, so I started guiding on the side. So then I really got into it, you know, the equipment, and started looking at it and thinking, man, there's not, there's not a lot of high-quality crappie rods out there. I mean, there's not. I bet if I told you to name five crappie rod companies right now, you'd have to stop and think. Well, yeah, there's 50 bass rods. You bet. But the crappie rods, there's just not a lot. Because it wasn't super popular, but it's starting to really get popular. And we got in at the right time. And we came up with something fresh. We were doing stuff different than other people. We are doing the social media, you know, YouTube, different ads. You know, a lot of behind-the-scenes tech stuff that other companies weren't doing. And we took off, and, and, and here we are. You know, you, you talk about the backbone in a rod. I think people, big corporations, the marketing side of it, take like when Joe and I go trout fishing, we're not using what's on the shelf as a trout rod. It's too wimpy. I mean, it's just, it's it's not the best tool for the job. It's what they have determined we're going to use for that species of fish. I mean, We've trout fished with bass rods numerous times because we're throwing bigger baits than normal people right. because everybody's throwing something tiny. A, a big fish will eat something tiny, but it'll damn sure eat one meal. You bet. Besides eating multiple. You know, we used to make the we used to make fun of these, and I don't want to make fun of the bass guys, but one thing, one thing we always noticed was if you don't have a boat, boy, you cast way out in the middle. And if you, if you got boat. a boat, you throw right up on the bank. <laughs> Everybody does that. <laughs> yeah. I never did quite figure that out. It, it, it's it's the the pan fishing version of fishing is a successful trip. It, it's it's a stepping stone. To I would say get, it's easier. It just it just is because hell if you look at how nature works there's going to be more of the fish that are going to get eaten than the predator that's how it's supposed to be you bet. so therefore it's going to be a more common thing in a body of water to catch the fish that the other fish are eating um and they're they're damn good to to, to eat so were you in the military no just your daughter yes so you graduated from high school, you went into working, you decided that you didn't like working for the man, so you decided you're going to take the, the route of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, while working a full-time job, I started guiding. And then a few years into that, I started the rod company. And this is, if my wife was sitting here, she would probably have a breakdown or start laughing or crying or something. And it got tough there for a while when you try to do all that. So I had to quit guiding and um, just focused on the, the rod company. I started with 50 rods in my living room. Then I built a, or I, I bought a, uh, a used coach, you know, the little portable warehouse, a 10 by 20. And me and my daughter insulated it. And I thought, man, this is gonna last a while. And I remember getting two rod orders a day. So and now are you building, are you making rods? No, no, there's no way. We're selling close to 50,000 a year. And there's no way to build them in America. I wish we could. I, obviously, I would love to, you know, be able to put American-made on there. Um, well, you can. You can. 
you know, it'd be a $500 rod. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd make 50 a year. Right. But um, we're wanting to get our baits moved there. You know, we're, we're definitely doing what we can. I, I want to do as much here as, as we possibly can. There's just some of it. You just can't do it. Explain. It, uh, I, I know the answer because I was talking to you about it. But explain to the listeners the reason why building a fishing rod. And, and you can go ahead and clarify that as far as you know, there's no general retail rods sold on the shelf right now that are made in america um but explain why that cost is what it is to build a rod here in america and why it's so much cheaper to go to asia um the last one that i know of was g loomis and they were 400 dollars bass rods and because you've got to pay someone to sit there you know 15 20 30 an hour and thread guides on a rod and then you've got to have all the equipment the ovens the rollers and you're still importing all the material you're you're importing the cork you're importing the graphite you're importing the guides you're still importing it all mm-hmm. and then you're assembling it here you're yeah basically putting it together here and you know to keep you know to keep someone to keep 30 people around that want to sit and wrap wrap guides on rods you know how hard it is to to, to find people that you want to work and want to sit there and do that. I, it would just be overwhelming to try to do that, and I would say I would go out of business if I tried that. I we actually considered it, looked into it, and we're like, there's no way. But what's interesting is all the um, all the people that that we support through it, the guys that make our shirts, our decals, our logos, right. our rod tubes. There's so much, you know. All the money stays here. Our UPS, our postal workers, yeah. the warehouse, the everything that people don't see. The jobs that I hire because we are profitable, as opposed to, you know, going out of business. So it's not, uh, yeah, not not have a job for anybody. Oh, that's oh. A, that's a key point. I, I think that's you know yeah, that's all a great of us point. just yeah. would assume we much rather buy American, mm-hmm. but when you look at the pyramid that you just talked about, the rod is that very tip. It's the narrow part. It's a finished finished product, but yeah. all the stuff going into making it. When yeah. you go through all of the different hands that this thing's going to touch throughout the way, even though something's being built foreign, it's putting money in pockets of hell you don't know i I imagine if you sat down and did the did the actual work to see how many different people were employed because you decided to build a business it's a lot greater than your payroll oh yeah it would be interesting to sit down from the people i mean we've spent over a million dollars on facebook ads so there's people working at facebook um we've got writers two videographers you know accountants bookkeepers you know like, like i said it, it would be interesting to, to do a deep dive on that but um yeah we 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 pay a lot of people like you said you know you, you sell a rod for a hundred dollars and you know how much of that you get to keep exactly. <laughs> after mm-hmm. so taxes you, and employees and everything it's, so do you know that number i mean as far I, as for I, I do not but but I would like to you know now that we talk about it, I would like to. I think that's a killer number. I think I think it is. I, the the number one goal for a lot of outdoorsmen, I mean you're 
you're living the American dream. Hey, fishing and hunting isn't something that can it's not be cheap. Yeah. Well, it's not something that's done. If you if you break out the hunting portion of it, that was a royalty thing. You had to be the landowner in order to hunt. The royalty hunted. The peasants went out and fetched the shit that the king harvested. Yeah. You would be slaughtered if you killed an animal. I On mean, somebody else's land, you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, that's oh, yeah. just not something you were allowed to do. And part of the American story is actually the fact that these immigrants come to this country and there was such a, a bountiful array of game meat, of uh, fish, of birds, yeah. of all of this stuff, and and they had the ability to go out and get it. It was a huge part of freedom and liberty was the outdoors. And so today, that number of 100 million people taking advantage of it, I was shocked that you just pulled that up. I don't even believe that's real. Hmm. Um, but if it is, that's a good sign for America. And all of these little country, uh, companies that are building up and giving us the advantages that we have, I mean, the technology between what all of us did as kids and what you could do now, I mean, it's it's just like the computer, right? But it's But it's in the outdoors. So you started off making 50 fishing poles. And how are you selling those first 50? Just word of mouth? Um, there was a local store that, that took some of them. I, I had a couple of small stores. And then we tried, like I said, online. I had a website that was, I wish I could go back and see that. Uh -huh. I bet it was horrible. <laughs> you should listen to our first podcast. It probably, yeah. this website <laughs> probably almost worked, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, and then, like I said, I knew I, w I wanted started off wanted to be just direct to consumer, but not we we reached the low hanging fruit of the people that will buy a fishing rod online. It's Is like it? a golf club. I so I don't want to buy a fishing rod online because you don't you get to pick touch it, up it and you don't want to hold it. So what what year are we talking here? Uh, two thousand. Um, on our clothing, it says 2015. I think that's when I started the LLC, but I'd been doing it about a year before that, so 2014. So about nine nine ten years now um and i just started super slow and i th that's what's fascinating is you hear these big stories you know everything starts small and, and it's so fascinating to to hear how you know it started in someone's basement you, it, you mm -hmm. hear that story it started in their basement it started in my living room, storage room. Uh, yep. the yep. first store order i did was on the tailgate of my truck and um the wind blew and it blew the order in the neighbor's yard, which happened to me and my parents. I had to run down there and, and get this order and wipe the grass and dirt off of it and bring it back. And, it, it, you know, to look back on that and think about it is pretty interesting. What, but, was, what was your goal? I mean, was your goal, this is going to be a, a Berkeley, this is going to be a big deal? or Naively, looking back, what I knew then was I didn't know anything. I had no idea, but I thought, I could conquer the world. And, and I think that's the beauty in starting a business is you, you have to be naive because if you knew what you were getting into, you wouldn't do it. Never right. do it. If I had to go back and they said, this is what you have to do, and I'm like, no. There's no way yeah. I'm doing right. this again. But I was so naive and I thought people are just going to flock and start buying these rods. I had no idea what it takes to sell a lot of fishing rods. It, it, it takes so many different channels from riders to 
Facebook ads to email lists to we, we've done it all. We've tried it all. Then you've got to get in the, the right stores. And to get in the right stores, you've got to create the right relationships with the right distributors and the right sales reps and the right. Then it gets into politics and relationships. And it's there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the way it is. And we've got here by, we, we've never lied to anyone. We've never gone back on our word. If we say we're going to do something, we do it. We've never stabbed anybody in the back. And it, it's just about treating people right. You got to have a good product. You've got to market it, and you got to treat people right if you want to stay in the game. So you probably <clears> didn't <throat> realize how intense the marketing side of business was whenever you first started. Right. I had no idea any part of it. I just thought, <laughs> yeah, I just thought if you posted something on Facebook, somebody <laughs> want to buy it, then, then, and, and I'm, I'm then they would flock. A woman in the book. <laughs> Women in bikinis. Yeah, well, I didn't I go down that road. I should have. If I had to start again, maybe I would. But <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's not too late. It, it's hard it's to get people to, to buy something off of you. And then you've got to develop the customer service side of it. And, yeah, there's so much so to it So you I said, uh, you know, it's hard to get people to buy buy your product. I mean, you've got several products. But, I mean, what what's <laughs> mid middle of the road? Which one of your which one of your rods cost? We've got, um, we just started doing the shorter rods in the one piece because the the hardcore guys and a lot of people, I think two piece rods used to be bad. I, I think they used to break and fall apart. So or people would kind of have yeah. a bad taste in their mouth. But we had really good two piece rods, but people wanted one piece. So our two, two piece rods are a lot more affordable for anybody that wants to get into fishing. And then our one piece like six six seven foot are really really top quality rods but um you talk about two piece and one piece i kind of separated that now that i'm thinking about it it was like having a pro fit hat and the size that you wanted or snapback was was two piece like if you I had, was always snapback snapback if you had a one piece rod i don't know what turned it into this but it was like the quality was better automatically. Yeah. You just assumed it was a better thing, and I could rem- the sound of a two-piece rod when that when that front end would come off there and pop. Yeah. It would happen to us. Yeah. You know, um, those are those old fiberglass rods that we yeah. were using as kids, and and uh, so I'm I'm thinking about you're getting into an industry that's already established. You've got the Daiwa, the the Berkeley, all of these Shimano. Shimano. You got all of these names that are big corporation names, and you're going to have to set your stuff next to it. So, is the color of the rod that green rod was that to separate you from the others to distinguish that you were? I catch her. It definitely was. And you talk about those big brands. A lot of those guys are just they they don't even have panfish rods. Crappie fishing. Like I said, those flimsy rods back 25 years ago is because nobody cared. It was a cane pole. Right. And I don't mean a bamboo fly rod. I mean a cane that cut a piece of cane right. and you tied line to the end of it. And then it went into, they just wanted, they were probably getting those rods made for $8 a piece on them for 30 right. They didn't. They didn't have to be good because no one cared. So the Shimano's, the Daya was, you know, these big, name brand rods that have salt water and bass they, they don't care about a crappie rod they, they didn't care then and now i don't know how much they care now 
but I think you know we've been around long enough that we're established now. There are some of those brands that are starting, but I don't know that they have that connection to the customer like we do as a crappie rod. Right. There, so, you know, if they try to pivot, then they're pivoting. We are our heart and soul is crappie fishing. So, so back to my question was, I mean, middle of the road rod. What are you What are you talking money wise? Sixty, seventy dollars. Okay. Um, it's hard to make one. We we wanted to make high quality rods. Uh, you can't start. Okay, now we could probably go back and do some 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 cheaper or lower quality, more affordable, however you want to call it. We could probably do that now, but you can't start low quality and then go high quality. So if Shakespeare mm-hmm. tried to do a two hundred and fifty dollar bass rod right it's now, still a Shakespeare or Zebco, right. who do you? Th- right. yeah. Ugly stick. It's not going to fly. But Shimano can come out with a, an affordable bass rod or or lose. Mm-hmm. They do. They've got combos in Walmart for one hundred and fifty dollars that are great. Yep. You can come down. So we mm-hmm. wanted to start high quality. And then we, we want something that, like we talked about earlier, that is good enough for the guide or the pro, but those guys are 5% of the market. Right. We also want rods that, you know, the guy that takes his kid three times a year can afford, that walks his pond or walks a creek or fishes out of a kayak a few times a year. Because that's where your market is. It's not, and it took me years to learn that. I thought it was all guides and professional. Because that's you who bet. I hung out with. I thought, man, these are the guys buying rods. It's not. Yeah. Those guys are a grain of sand in the bucket. Yeah. Exactly. So, so what's your best selling rod right now? Um, probably the six six one piece or the eight foot. Um, we just came out with a new, and this is something. When I started the company, I wanted backbone and fast tips, and that was every rod we had. But a lot of people grew up with lighter action rods. So we just came out with a seven-foot one-piece, and it's got a medium light. It's got a softer tip, and that thing has taken off like crazy. So I think that will be – it's just newer, so we don't have the data. But I think that will probably be it. See what, I'll just – and I don't even know what to call but I'll take two of them. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Right but, there, but like those – and it took me – I grew up, you know, fishing with 10, 11 – foot rods and we've got 12 and 13 because the live scope and i thought i started with those rods these are crappy rods this is all people are going to buy it's the shorter rods that outsell them Mm -hmm. the guy that can go cast it to his pond or something Mm. so it's uh it's it's important to realize your market and so often like buying a pair of $500 tennis shoes because a basketball player has them. Well, sure, they're going to sell some $500 shoes to people who can afford it, but there's 95% of the population just assume have a shoe to wear on their foot. That's still quality, but they they can afford it. You can outprice yourself out of being a small business. Oh, yeah. We see it all the time, Bill, in the restaurant world. Right where people try to come in and they're not quite white tablecloth, their food doesn't deserve forty dollars a plate, but they're trying to come in there and and make a a higher profit margin right. off of a lower quantity of people, and they wind up sinking their ship time and time again. The blue collar people, the the moms and dads who are taking their kids out fishing over the weekend 
they want to buy quality, but they don't want to buy five hundred dollar quantity. Right. There's yeah. just and especially in in this day when everything costs so much. If you're still selling a rod at seventy dollars right now in in this environment, hell, that's three trips to McDonald's. You bet. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're building something of quality to where this is something. I know it's not a custom rod. It's built for the masses. But that's an investment in tons and tons of good times. Right, right. You bet. So memories. Memories are, are well, If I want to have a $500 pair of shoes, they're going to have a full quill with ostrich on it. There was a, there was a time. Damn straight. When Damn I right. was Why a, would you not? <laughs> I, was, I was a broke-ass construction, broke-ass construction worker. <laughs> and I went down to the to the big corporation store and I, I think bu- I may have been there. I bought this Falcon fishing rod, man, and it was it was a hundred and fifty dollar rod on the shelf. It was the most expensive rod that that company with blue and yellow had to sell and and uh I got it home and it sat in the shop or the garage right next to all the other fishing poles. And I'm fixing to go on a fishing trip and I thought, man, I got that old high dollar falcon. I'm gonna grab it. So I grabbed it and then I picked it up, the cork handle slid right off the bottom. Well, convenient. we were going to that same store to get our gear. And I walk in there, and I walk to the back. That's where the sporting goods was at. And I told the old man who looked like a catfish hunter from Grumpy Old Men, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that old guy's name was. <coughs> I said, <Burgess> Mr. Meredith. <laughs> I said, Mr. This one here, the handle's done falling off, and I'm going to swap it for the one just like it on the shelf. And he says, you ain't got your receipt? I said, man, I got a lot of receipts. I don't know if I got that receipt. He said, no receipt, no swap. You dirty son. I said, man, the sign out front says satisfaction guaranteed. No receipt, no swap. don't have that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they ain't got it no more. And so I said, you mean to tell me that this thing still has the price tag on it and you ain't going to swap it out? No, sir. So being who I was at that time in my life, I snapped it over my knee, and up above me was one of these happy faces, <laughs> and I filleted that old happy face up there, and we had a shopping cart full of stuff, and I pushed it up into the counter, and I said, dude, there's more value in what we got in that cart than what that fishing pole's worth. He said, no receipt, no swap. Oof. I said, enjoy stocking all this shit back on the shelf. I ain't ever going to buy nothing there. Martinez can count me on this. I went four years without a single trade at that store. And it was all over customer service. And the fact that I had bought something that was high end mm-hmm. and it was still a piece of shit. Right. And uh, so if you, if your business model is you're going to build a quality deal at a reasonable price, that is a company that I will stand behind, whether it's a pickup truck, a pair of blue jeans, whatever. I think that's the American way of trading. Right. I guess I got a question. Andy, has these got cork handles on them? They do. And we've also got, <laughs> and they don't slide off very often. We've also got another grip. We call it a super grip. It's like a... Uh, a golf handle grip. That's right. Oh, I got you. And, and those are neat. But back to that customer service, that I grew up, you know, I didn't have any money. That's and I remember true. thinking, man, I if, like so, if, I, if I bought something and it broke, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't owe anybody anything. So we t- that's something we pride ourselves on is customer service. 
we've got a guy that sits there and answers emails all day long. We ship Last rods. rod I'm ever going to have to buy right there. It is. We, and, and we take care of customers. And it, it's that guy, that story, he lost so much money over that. And that's what he doesn't get. It, it's like, oh, yeah. He, he, how many people did you get? You just told, how long ago was that? And you're still talking about it. Oh, man, that's 20 plus years oh, ago. Well, I tell you yeah. what I did in retaliation. Every oh, time yeah. we'd that's go. That's what I was going to go with the follow-up story. <laughs> For four years, I didn't trade with that store. We would walk in there, and I'd say, I thought you weren't trading. He'd say, I'm not. <laughs> what was I doing, Joe? I was going he to. Get, he would go back there where they sell the. Magic cheese bait. The magic cheese bait and the, just the nastiest catfish bait. <laughs> and we'd go back there by the women's apparel. Back there with them intimate apparel. I call One it. piece or two piece. <laughs> Oh, he that's just rock. ripped the top off that old cheese bait and just slide it right under them panties, and we'd just go on. <laughs> if they weren't swapping that pole, they weren't going to sell no more panties, I guarantee it. I was putting cheese bait under panties. I was folding back them Idaho russet potatoes, and I was putting a cheese bait bomb underneath there and stacking potatoes over the top of it. Oh, the whole time them boys were shopping, I was in there doing roadside bombs inside that <laughs> store. And the deal was... Was basically don't jack with me. <laughs> We're gonna have to put your name on our whiteboard in the shop. <laughs> don't jack Take with care Joe. Of Joe. Yeah, <laughs> don't let this guy. We down. start smelling stink bait whoa, in the whoa, shop. Whoa, 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 whoa! He, he ain't bought a rod. Off. He ain't bought a rod yet. Hell, I'm the only. We're Joe still writing his name on the shit. <laughs> hey, it was. I tell you what broke the camel's back is I had one of them little cardboard cameras that we had been out fishing and we had taken some pictures and we'd caught some real good fish. I tell you what fish it was. It was that big old brown trout. Brown trout. And uh, mm. there was no place I could go get that deal developed other than go to that store. And it broke my damn heart. And what happened was when you walk in that store, it's set up for you to buy 10 things other than what you'd went in there to buy. So yeah, because they would rotate everything <laughs> yeah. from week to week. So to I'm waiting for that one-hour service on that little box of uh, camera thing. Hell, I went around. There'd been all kinds of stuff I'd been missing for four years. <laughs> the old room. Got and you a chicken sandwich. Start, I had to start buying. And it was stuff. made at 107? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> online shopping is a, is a phenomenon that started, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, but over the last five, six years, COVID gave online shopping a huge boost. The outdoors had a huge boost during huge. those two years of, of, of that thing. Um, were you able to keep up during that time? Were you able to get the parts to... No. Um, we do not count those two years in our data because people were at home fishing, making more money than going to work. Isn't and we couldn't get anything. Everything was, you know, to get a container over here was twenty grand, and it took so long. So we try to, we try to literally wipe those two years out because it's it's such an, you know, is abnormal. So you can't really track it into normal mm-hmm. set of, of data. You couldn't even buy bobbers. <clears throat> yeah. There was no bobbers on the shelf. It and it happened like within two weeks, yeah. everything disappeared. Yeah, no bobbers. There was no bobbers. We're yeah. talking red and white? Yeah, uh, man. There was shit, no, I would have sold you all I had. <laughs> well, it would have been a prime opportunity to sell the stuff, but 
So during that two years, you couldn't get stock. How were you surviving? We we had a bunch of, of tough times. I, I almost lost my house, truck, and boat a couple of times. Almost got divorced. I mean, it, it's if I li- there's a shirt I like that says "Must be nice." It's like go start your own company if you think it's so nice. <laughs> you know, go yeah. do it. Exactly. You you can. Nobody's stopping you. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to stop you, but. Yeah, we had some tough times where I went six months without fishing poles before. Mm. You still have to pay to run the business. You go borrow more money. You get another mortgage on your house. Uh, I mean, we lived in a $40,000 house. I drove a 15-year-old truck. I didn't. We didn't go out. We didn't eat out. We didn't do anything. We just tried to run the business. My wife was working, thankfully. Um, she, you know, she helped out a lot. And I had, uh, my business partner now... I, I said, I, I can't pay you. I'm not paying myself. There's no money. There, there's no money. There's zero, and then where we are is below zero. <laughs> there's yeah. there's less than zero dollars to operate this business. So it, it, it took a lot of scratching and clawing, but we, we made it through. And that's something that's tough. Even after COVID is forecasting. That is the toughest thing to not run out of this rod, not run out of this, and not have too much of this one. And, and the timing, it takes four to five months to get these rods. So you're looking at you know, your busy seasons. You need them in October all the way through May. You know, So, so the timing and your cash flow and the forecasting, the different rods and warehousing them, that, that, that's it, a tough it, part it's too. A, it's a weird deal. I mean, we all deal with it no matter what you're trading it but it's a weird deal to be at the mercy of a supplier because you've committed to a promise, whether it be to your customer, to your employees, to whatever, that this is the time frame that I'm going to have something and this is the time frame it's going to be done and this is what the cost is. And then you have this supplier that says, nope. Yep. Ain't gonna get it, and or, whenever or you do up, get or it, or straight up lied to you. Yeah, you, yeah. And then when you do get it, because now the demand's so high, we're gonna go ahead and jack it up twenty five percent. Well, a big part that I saw too, just in the business I'm in, is just getting it here, especially anything overseas. You even if you buy direct, like you're doing, <clears throat> it's it was just the container yourself to fill it up and put it on a boat. They might sit in a port for a long oh, time. Oh, the ports was, are it, it's not even. That and you know costs. they're just screwing you. Oh, you they, know those guys saying, go on yeah. strike. And yeah. and when COVID for two and a half years, those union dock workers um, could say, "Yeah, I came into contact with someone and get two or three weeks off paid." Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it was the biggest crock of shit. It, it it was horrible. So nothing was getting done. It got backed up, and it it just it was. And well, we're still talking about it. So well, yeah. and so does that make you strategize in a different manner? Because you're still in the same boat, dude. I mean, you're you're still in the same boat. Say, say a conflict comes about to where whoever our goofy president is <laughs> causes a pissing match with whoever we assume is our foreign enemy. And that's who you're dependent upon. Is there any other resource in the whole globe who could do what those people are doing? Uh, not at a quality or a price point. It would we would 
it wouldn't work. I've looked. I've looked in Mexico. I've looked in other countries. I can't. I've got an amazing relationship with our manufacturer. They're great people. The government's not great, but they're great, great people. They've they've acted as our bank before. Sent us a bunch of rods we couldn't pay for them until we sold the rods, which they got it. You know, they're in the long game with us too. So yeah, I w- I would love to to have a backup plan for fishing rods. But from what I can tell, I don't think there is one. We're trying to move our baits. Like I said, um, there's different places you can make baits and jig heads. There's a pile of them right here in Arkansas. So what what all do you guys do other than rods? You guys do reels and bait? We're getting into reels. um, Line, we're getting into fishing line. That comes from, that material comes from Japan and is made in Taiwan. Is that a monofilament or is that a braided it's a, line? Or? It's a, There's some volatility uh, in Taiwan. Well, yeah, it's the same, same problem. Same same people, same problem. But uh, the mono it's, that we're making is actually a copolymer. So mm. it's two two filaments. So so it's you, you get the best of... The toughness. You, you can make something better because you're using two different plastics. And then also a braid that is going to be really slick. So we're like we're trying to diversify, coming up with some other stuff. Like I told you earlier, maybe some fish breading, you know, something like that. Well, what about your reels? You mentioned reels. Reels, we're, we've been. That is the hardest thing to come up with because you're going up against right. the Shimano's, the Daiwa's. That it's one thing to get a rod made out of graphite. It's another to have something machined with gears and bearings. And to be as good as a Shimano or a Daiwa at the same price point is is very difficult. We've been working on it for years. We're getting closer. I think we can get there. I I don't want to just put something out there. Yeah, right. So, do you have a reel a reel that's already on the market that you feel is compatible with your rods? There, there's a lot of good spinning reels out there. We want you know a thousand series lightweight spinning reel. You know from forty to sixty dollars. We want it to be good quality. There, there's a lot out there. You know, I don't really want to name any brands. They're, they're all out there. Right. Shimano, Daiwa's. Everybody knows the, the big, big names as far as reels. But and, uh, and with that, you can't, you can't uh, copyright so much, right? You have to be. No, how innovative do you have to be? Uh, it's, it gets a lot of gray area. Like you can't patent a fishing rod. Okay. Because it's it's just made out of graphite. It's a fishing rod. They've been around forever. Yeah. A real same thing. I, I'm sure, you know, the Daiwas and Shimano's have some technology that's patented. Yeah, probably inside the bearings or some coating or something. So you mentioned earlier, you know, you go to a retailer and they've got a, you know, like a combo, and it may be two different companies. Is that something you've thought about doing? That is something. Um, Again, if you told me five years ago we need to get into combos, I would have laughed. But like we said, when someone's going fishing five times a year, they're taking their kid, they want to go in buy one and go, go out the door. And and um, while we're sitting there having this, I got to thinking we might even need to come up with, to get into the academies and the Walmarts and the Bass Pros, come up with a maybe a $30, $40 rod and a $30, $40 reel you know, have a have a seventy dollars out the door, go fishing. You bet with the little you know something like tackle that. box and some yep lures and because I guarantee you guys, that's exactly what I was thinking earlier. Most people that are novice fishermen, they're going to walk into a retailer, they're going to get a combo, and 
my God, there's a combo that's got a little tackle box it's on the side a of it. It's of a got a crappie on it. You bet. <laughs> why would you not? Why would you not buy that? Time Shit, like this, this one has crappie in the name. <laughs> this, uh, that's what we're. Hey, my God, that's what we're going yeah. at. <laughs> this one has got catfish. And we want to take care of those people because that's what we're also trying to do is educate people. You know, we want high quality, but also teach. You know, get the kids into it. Like we right. said earlier, there's nothing better than taking your kids fishing, seeing the smile. You bet. And so we, we, you know, through YouTube and our blogs, you know, and our website and, and the things we do with the community, we give away. I, I've got a kid's rod, and I give away probably 300 a year. Mm. And it's, I love doing it's it. It's currently yeah. sold out yeah. Right? Yeah. on your website. Right? I gave them all away. But, but Andy, <laughs> you, I'm, I'm going to tell you. That if I was cruising on the YouTube or or seeing one of these, seeing one of these videos that you put out, and if I didn't form a relationship with you, I would think that's a big corporation, and it, it it's uh, they got endless cash, and they've got the ability to give away three hundred fishing poles. They don't know that this company. ACC, this dude was starving to death, living in a shitty house, <laughs> trying. And now we don't know he was living in a shitty house. Yeah, it was a forty thousand dollar home. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. not okay. very. That's, yeah, yeah. that's not very. Hey, glamorous. In some places, that's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Even in the East, first house I bought in Gravit, Arkansas, was forty five. Okay, 000. but we're talking last right, this year. Is this year. <laughs> yeah. So what? What I'm trying to form here, Martinez, is the fact that. This is a dude who ain't no different than any of us sitting around this table. The only difference is, is he's got absolute ambition. He's got heart and triumph and all of this stuff. And if we've preached anything on this show for the last two years, it's how struggle builds a man. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I don't give two shits what Andy's selling. If I know this background of an individual and a team, the team that surrounds you, is willing to struggle to keep a boat afloat, that you could you could YouTube all you want to YouTube. I want to know the story of the man. You bet. And your story is a story that every single one of our listeners, hands down, fishermen or not, We'll stand behind a guy with backbone like you got. Stand behind a guy that has a wife who, damn, you guys struggled, which, hey, there ain't none of us that want it. But she's still there. Yep. She's willing to make these next steps with you. She's bought into what you're selling. And not because you've got a premium product, which sounds like you do, because she knows that you, you ain't going to give up. And uh, so many times, so many people were surrounded by them in our life that they reached that that little deal and close the book. It's over. I can't do this shit. Then what? Mm-hmm. I got. So then, I just wanted. It can't go anywhere but up. Backpedal a little bit on your your reels uh, <laughs> dilemma or or opportunity. So I'm I'm just kind of confused. Do you have to start like from square one and design and do all of this and be the manufacturer yourself, or can you find one of those companies that can kind of co-pack to your that's spec? What, that's what my, oh yeah, that's what it, I was it's called OEM, uh, Original Equipment <laughs> yeah, Manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, and they can customize it. All right. Yeah, you know, we're working with the company right now, and we're like, you know, a little bit, huh? 
did, no, you didn't miss. No, it's we're t- we're telling. I, I had similar to the question, but yeah. up a mountaintop, yeah. and I took him all the way back <laughs> down to the bottom. But you know, I'm really hung up here because I think you know, no, it's no, one no, thing to have that, balls of steel, but it's another to have great big ones. That's a good carried, carried him up to the mountaintop, and then we went no, back. No. Are you stealing somebody else's fishing? No, 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 no. No, that's a fair question. But we don't call him die. Well, we call him die. <laughs> we spell it different. <laughs> diarrhea. Yeah, I got the that mouth. diarrhea on that on that two piece. Diarrhea roll. <laughs> well, excuse the hell out of me. No, no. no. I was kind of curious question. about the giant I'll, I'll step you got to take. Ignore him. It was a good question. I'll answer it. There are companies that do OEM, and they will customize it, like add bearings, take it away, fix the drag. You know, stuff, we've had a lot of samples where we're like, we like this, we don't like this, change this, change the handle, change the gear ratio, take this off. To where, yeah, you don't have to go own a factory, you know, to do it all yourself. Right. Good. But it, it gets complicated. you got to find the right. There's hundreds of factories over there. There's over 400 rod factories in and one city There's a whole lot of cheaters when it comes to people giving you specs and quoting you on something. You get a sample and you get this, and then by the time yeah. it gets to production, they could change the and anything and everything drop and, a couple of bearings and that's something that goes <laughs> that back to happens in the food business I mean. you know I, I didn't do this by myself i got lucky i found the right guys there's a kid that, that from southern illinois one of my buddy's kids that was back home from uh college for the summer came to work for me for the summer in southern illinois he moved with me to tennessee my business partner quit a six-figure job in chicago to come do this and started at thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Well, the first two years he couldn't quit his job because I didn't pay him. I said, I, there's no money. He said, "Let me show you what I can do." Right. I got a bookkeeper that helped me out. Didn't charge me much. It, it's your team. You, you have you to bet. have, and it, it's not skill. It's just not giving up. And, and there is luck involved. I could have. My bank could have told me no. I could have got a bad deal. I could have got a, a bad batch of rods. I could have got a bad business partner. A hundred things could have gone wrong, and, and they didn't. They could so, have easily all gone wrong during that two years of COVID or two and a half years. Yes. So, so everybody, you know, if they make it through, they want to blame or, or they want to credit themselves. If it goes bad, they want to call it bad luck. You're right. Well, I can tell you I've had a lot of good luck. You know it, that goes into it, but also you know you can't give up. You can't switch every five years what you want to do. You know, you know the uh, overnight success is what, what's that saying or something? It only takes ten years to become an overnight success. Right. right. How old were you when you just made the giant jump? Jump. Yeah, you know, it was probably. I'm 49 now, so 39. That's still- and, and it took me a while. I didn't, you know. I wasn't a good employee. I worked at a Walgreens distribution center. All I did was goof off and talk to my buddies and skip work. You were and go union, fishing. huh? No, no. <laughs> I just, I, just I didn't do. I, I was not a good employee because I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't. Right. I didn't find what I wanted to do. And then I started running a business, and man, I fell into that groove. But um, I do not get to fish much anymore. So if you think you're going to start a business in the sporting goods industry. You like well, Joe Wilson's high. standing up here on this mountain peak all by himself right now. No. I, 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 so I think we overlook so many times that because a person owns a company that they're 
bringing the in struggles. the money, but we don't understand. Like when we talked to Drew Simmons, mm-hmm. and Drew was telling us that how long he went before he got a paycheck, you bet. Yeah. and how he was sleeping on a park bench and sleeping up 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 in the attic of a barbecue restaurant, yeah, yeah. dancing and, on the street. And that's something that you know, like all of us that have always had a paycheck, been on blessed Thursdays. with a, yeah, blessed with a good job that. You know, we we could go out and do shit like the hell we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but Ultimately, we've still in the back of our mind. We've we got a we got a check coming in whether we're here or not. Yeah. Well, it's just like how boxing is and and, and fighting is is uh, fighting will get you nowhere. No, Joe, my bo- wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> how boxing and fighting is a one man team. And the only person you got to blame for your lack of success is yourself. Now, small business, you have to build your team. But ultimately, you're making the decisions for your future. If you're a slack, lazy, like if you started this business and decided, well, part of my business is fishing six days a week, and I'll deal with those fishing poles on Tuesdays. That ain't going to work. He's not, not the same guy that he was as an employee. No. No, you you got to polish these skills, and and you mentioned to me earlier that, you know, you listen to a lot of podcasts and business related podcasts, and so who is mentoring you through being a businessman more than a slack in a warehouse? I, I've had a lot. My my cousin was in the sporting goods industry, Patrick G, and he'd done it for thirty years, and. We hunted and fished together, and I always looked up to him. And I think he inspired me to do it because I saw, you know, what he was doing. He worked for Shimano for a long time, and then he went off on his own, and he gave up a good paycheck for that and and, and started from scratch. So he did, and then, you know, coming out here to Tennessee, I've got a buddy, Blake Hawk, and, and he really helped me with a lot of the intricate side of business, the stuff that didn't have anything to do with fishing you know a lot of the finance the banking the banking the nuance you know how to set up credit lines and 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 just different stuff like that 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 really helped me out a lot and then like i said a lot of books a lot of podcasts man you gotta if you want to be successful at something you better learn everything there is about it and you got to become obsessed with it you have to dive it you got to eat it sleep it breathe it wake up in the morning i remember being at my shop at night and that's what saved me i've done there by myself on a saturday night all my friends are out doing what they wanted to do and i'm listening to andy Forsell's podcast mfceo project talking about how he slept on a piss stained futon for the first five years and hearing those stories knowing that that's how it is it's not this instagram bullshit mm-hmm. where you're in a private jet and you're on the beach he, you know, these podcasts told you how it really is. They're like, you have to do the monotonous shit over and over and over for a decade, seven days a week to make it. And hearing those stories is what I'm like, man, I'm not the only one, yeah. you know. It's providing you inspiration. So it was, it was, it was, it was fascinating bigger, to, yeah. to listen to those guys going, this is how it's really done. It's not yeah. put, put Instagram down. Yeah, you know that's something. And it's helping uh, install uh, some discipline to right. keep going. Another another talking point that's fascinating is the Instagram and the social media. And you talked about the commercializ- commercialization of fishing. Our writer was telling us. He said, "If you think soccer moms are bad, he said bass moms." <laughs> I said, "What are you talking about?" 
this college, high school yeah. and college. Leagues. Moms will call him up and say, my son caught a three-pound bass last week. I need you to write a story on him. Yeah. He's like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And what's kind of sad, and I'm kind of torn between it because I do it. When I go fish and I take pictures and do videos, because I have to. Um, but I used to go fishing. I didn't have a camera. You didn't have a camera. We all went hunting and fishing for the absolute pure sake of doing it. And we didn't even tell anybody about it because we didn't want to give up our spots. Yeah, right. We'd go fishing all weekend long and go to school and wouldn't even mention it and just wait till we got out and went and rode our bikes all over the county, 95 degrees, and fished all weekend long. And boy, if that fish took off with that hook, you were going to yeah. rip his face off. And, and, and never took a picture, didn't care, didn't know what Instagram was. So at least we started it for the right reasons. Nowadays, I don't know that people are even getting into hunting and fishing for the right reasons. More for right. the glory than the passion. Yeah, it's one thing to do it and then post it, but don't do not do it to post it. Yeah. Well, when you see it first and think it's cool and then go because of that, that's not quite the same origin. That yeah. Well, you, it's yeah. like I yeah. asked the question earlier. I mean, I bought a tripod for my iPhone on Amazon last week going to this deer hunt because sure. I literally wanted to film me killing deer. Yeah. I ended up filming some deer and the first deer that I filmed, we're talking 15 minutes in after daylight at a place where there's huge deer. I got more enjoyment after fil- out of filming this deer and I could have killed at any time. And it was literally... <coughs> Bigger or as big than two of the deer that were killed that weekend. But, I mean, I'm not in it. So there's something fun about that. Too. There's something fun of that. And that's there what is. I asked the question. I mean, I would like to, I mean, I got this <coughs> iPhone and I've got a $19, you know, little old tripod. tripod deal. But like you said, I mean, you just, the probably the concussion from me shooting at this probably would have knocked it over. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that is pretty cool to do that. It's fun, yeah. And like you said, there's there's some fun aspects having a crew there watching you catch some fish. But I mean, that's that's going that, but that's going forward to back in the day. I mean, shit, I had, I spent twenty five dollars on a license. Yeah. I got to kill something. But it, the difference versus, between you versus a lot of some of these influencers, right? Is that your passions behind it? You mm-hmm. you you got drugged through the mud. You've been drugged through the mud. You've can had we, the passion as a kid coming through, and and now you're uh, you know, you're, you're taking advantage work, of it. Yeah, yeah. E- and even in your work, I mean, you're doing what you love, and there's a lot to be said by that. Yeah, it's a lot of grinding, but it's something that's yours and that you care about and that you're passionate about. And Could we say the purity in almost everything that we do is lost because of this? newfound phenomenon of having to take a picture having i mean i'm guilty i take pictures of all kinds of food um yeah that's just food that's just food that i cooked my whole life but there's a phenomenon that now we need to show everybody every aspect of everything that we do except the bad shit right 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 and and you don't want to be that guy 
You don't want to be that guy on social media saying how shitty your life is. Hey, look is. at the yeah. size of that turd. Look at this brisket. And you yeah. just, it, there's dust coming off of it. I mean, and I'm not a big food guy. And I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I, Joe, you, you cook stuff. And, and that's cool. Because yeah. that's your passion. Yeah. See, I, I, don't, I mix me up some old. I don't post much. I, I try to often do cool stuff, whether it's with my kids or with my friends or whatever. But I don't post things or I don't take the time to pull out the camera to take a picture of it and to a post of, it a, a, yeah and a lot of times looking back i'm like man i wish i would have got some well, more photos we use for, it me, for we, me or for for whatever because that, that was cool that was awesome there ain't i watched my kid rip his bike or whatever right. you know? there ain't a house right now that's got a photo album right okay a current photo album like yeah. you you're joe you're going down and getting pictures of elton put yeah, them in a photo right. album you yeah. still are taking pictures on what camera? You can take your iPhone right down to the Walmart. <laughs> okay, you're right. But and more people need to do that, and that's something we need to talk about. Well, I'm just saying, seriously, the photo album was a big part of the household. Yeah, and it everybody's was, got photo albums at their house, but they probably no. stopped 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. say that seriously, you can relevant. take. They're not modern. Joe Joe Swope's prime example. He's got a lot of old cool cars, and he goes on trips and shit. You can go in his office, and he'll have a picture of him and another buddy of ours in Costa Rica catching fish. You can take your iPhone to the Walmart. Not only can you get them pictures developed, you can get them to where it looks like it's a painting on canvas. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's cool shit. <laughs> but. Or the- or I'm not just saying Walmart. You can, I mean, there's. Other outlets that do that. There, there but, was a, there was a, a cabinet, or a dresser, or a coffee table. A lot of coffee tables, and underneath that coffee table was a stack of photo albums. And those photo albums, the pictures, were discolored. Mm-hmm. There was that little scribbling of some yeah. sort of detail. Aunt such and such. You date. You should have seen it in color. <laughs> and and uh, I think a part of our traditional, what, what we grew up, it may not be important to any 20-year-old kid or younger. may not be. They may not have ever even looked in a photo album. But the photo album was a staple when you went to somebody's house, you, even if you'd been drinking, you whoop out the photo album. Well, it was a good way to, I mean, you could, there's so many stories in there. Oh yeah. What was this? Who was so, this? So even even on Facebook, the pictures that we so deep pictures that we posted on Facebook, they're still there. Mm-hmm. But what's the new Snapchat or Instagram? Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Them things are gone in like ten seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? The Snapchat, yeah. Why fuck we're taking a picture? <laughs> well, I don't. I, I don't know what this has to do with. other than the fact that photo albums were important i'm not hating on and and that's another thing is it's opened the door for we wouldn't be where we were um a lot of smaller companies you know you you don't have to i mean i can't afford ads on tv Mm -hmm. right right and they're not even as effective yeah right you fast Um, forward through those you know these companies have been around for 50 years you you can come along tell a story take some pictures I mean, and look at all these kids that are making from tens of thousands of dollars a year to hundreds of th- to millions of dollars a year on YouTube. 
Yeah. All these bait makers and, and all these, you know, guys making uh, accessories for Glocks and, and fish, everything. You, you mm-hmm. there's no more gate, there's no huge. more gatekeepers anymore. Yeah. If you've got an idea, you can make it and take it to the masses for relatively affordable price. Get it out to your friends. Have your friends talk about it. Pay some yeah. influencer to and you know it just kind of knocked down the barriers for, oh, it's, for it's guys a huge like me. Door for for small business. It's huge, even for a guy like you. Yeah, you could have a guy filming you day and day that's willing to go edit some footage and get the good stuff out of it and throw a video on, and you could do that day in, day out, day in, day out, and then all. Soon enough, you have a million followers just watching you put reels together or do your day-to-day life and sometimes have fun. But it's telling the story of what you're doing and it's being passionate about it that, that really drives the people in. Uh, like like you said, there's millions of people out there that are just doing everyday stuff, but they're filming it, whether it's yeah. cooking food. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands. I'm going to say that 95%. It's a different day. Andy, of our listeners only listen to the show because we have common people yeah Mm -hmm. and you know we may have some guys emmy award winners or musicians who stand up on the stage at the grand old opry things like that and that's cool but their common story is a story that we want to pitch the it's just like driving down the road and seeing an old country store and across the streets come and go yeah. You know what you're going to get in that come and go because they're the same all the way across the country. But there's probably some magic inside that country store. Oh, yeah. And and so I'm the guy. I'm a small batch buyer. If I go to the grocery and there's all kinds of stuff made by Heinz and there's a bottle over there that looks like it's small batch, that's the magic. That's something special. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to hold you back from being at the pinnacle of, of the industry. God, I hope you get there. It'd be nice to know you. But the truth is, is if I'm at that, that say, academy or one of these big stores, and there's all those names that I'm familiar with, and there's a, there's a green fishing pole there that looks different, it's the same reason why the fish are biting the, the bait because that one stood out, right? There could be a million shad in the lake, but that one that's swimming a little different, that's the one that's going to get ate. Mm -hmm. And so your business model, your plan is eye-catching. That's that's brilliant what you guys have started. Your idea of serving people and, and relationships and tying your brand into these people that got a name brilliant the quality being there it's just i hate the fact that you have in so many industries have become so dependent on everybody else that it could be taken away from you you know you can't hell ford and chevy and dodge and all those guys they got crippled yeah by overseas you you (laughs) take that one computer chip out of that vehicle some bitch ain't running Mm -hmm. you know and man i i pray for the day to where our country could be self-sustaining and that we could all decide that 
it don't matter if you're making 50 bucks an hour because whatever you're buying is going to be that much more expensive. This this money is, is false. It's, we still have the same amount of money always. The poor guy is always going to be poor, and the middle is always going to be in the middle, and the rich is going to be the rich guy. Mm-hmm. And and we get this deal like if I only made this much money, why, hell, you're going to have the same amount of money. Yeah, you'll spend it. You'll, yeah. you'll have the same amount of money. <laughs> Your goal of, of selling to people uh, of, of the most common economic stage in life is the smartest deal to do. I mean, Coca-Cola is selling to everybody. I mean, that high-dollar Crown Royal that Martinez drinks, that's 39 bucks. That sells to the majority of the people. Not everybody's going to spend $70 on a bottle of whiskey. 39 mm-hmm. bucks so for a big bottle you're on for you're on bottle. the right track um diversifying is something that you talk about and you you said that you're going to try to diversify and maybe get into the the breading market brilliant um bill Why knows give you help bill knows a lot of people in that industry that's what bill's been stuck in that deal for a long time it's it's stuck Bill's been traveling down that road for a long time. Look at him. But it's a brilliant idea because here's one thing I know. You probably ain't getting that cornmeal from China. Nope. And uh, you're going to be able to sell that stuff. And if it works, if it tastes good, if it gets in the right hands, it could outgrow the fishing poles. But they're both going to touch each other. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and that's the way that's the way to do it. Just yeah. tie it together with that line, baby. Yeah, one's built on the back of, you know, our brand that we've had for 10 years. So, And that's something, you know, no matter – you talked about getting big. No matter how big we get, we don't want – we always want to stay connected to the customer and, and ran by fishermen and not a bunch of suit-wearing accountants. Mm-hmm. You know, these bigger brands get they, – they don't – you don't even know who you're buying a rod from. You don't see them on social media. You don't see them on a YouTube. You don't. You don't know who that. You have no idea. Go buy. I'm not going to name any brands, but a, a, who? who it, it's probably. There's no touch and feel in bureaucracy. <clears throat> exactly. No. And you um, got to have that touch and feel. Yeah. I mean, that's what inspired so in, me. In, well, I go to investment company owns it. You know, literally some right. some. Yeah, I can't, I can't. somebody that's wanting to see profits every quarter, yeah. more and more private equity, more and more profits. Garrett yeah. Garrett Polk, uh-huh. you know, building custom knives. We had him mm-hmm. on the show, and Martinez he bought some of them too. If you want to sell your product, you walk inside our studio, <laughs> sit here. I want to ride. And Martinez you. is going to wind up. He's a quality guy. And At least two. He's brought, he ain't gonna buy one. Well, he's got more, two boys. That's one more yeah. than anybody else in here. <laughs> but Garrett, Garrett talked to me the other day. You know, he's got a baby on the way. Yeah, good. And uh, he said, "Man, I want my wife to be able to stay at home and raise that kid." He said, "I'm gonna have to come up with another way to make some money to pay for the loss of her income." <clears throat> the family structure in our country is kind of dissolved into you cannot succeed <clears throat> without two people trying to pay a bill. Um, that's unfortunate. It's, it is unfortunate. It, it's not how we were raised. You know, uh, a mom's supposed to be there raising her kids. Um, I'm sure 
we all work with men who that is the farthest thing possible for them. If they're mm-hmm. going to survive, there got to be two paychecks, and there better be some overtime involved. In you the bet. Deal. Right. It's 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 an unfortunate place. <clears throat> the trickle down from that is maybe they can't buy a fishing pole, maybe they can't buy a five hundred dollar custom knife. Those are all dreams and wants. Um, an old school man would strive to get it if that's what he really wanted. If he wanted one of your poles and he couldn't afford it, he'd save up. He'd sacrifice. He probably wouldn't stop and get a cup of coffee in the morning. Aluminum cans and green walnuts. <laughs> green walnuts or something. Um, your story is our type of story. You bet. Mm-hmm. Hands down. It's it's our type of story. And I know for a fact that everybody who listens to this show is going to at least go on the website. Yeah. And they're going to buy a pole because we want to buy from dudes like you, man. Yeah, and I know like me, they're like, damn, these things look good. I mean, I've bought two. I'm just going to challenge everybody <laughs> else to buy them. Is that a one-piece or a two-piece? He <laughs> does, yeah. Well, I appreciate I th- it, guys. It was definitely an honor to be here, be on a podcast like this. and um, Is it your first, po- first podcast? Yes, it is. Oh, man. Uh, you can't like take away. And you drove all the way from where to be here with us Eastern tonight. Tennessee. My God, that's, that's Value for value. Right there. Is what that is. You bet. Ba- that there, there's a friendship that you got with us, and uh, there's a friendship that you got with our listeners. That's because you're an honest dude, and man, the sacrifice portion of your story—that's just a small part of the sacrifice that you've had throughout your life—is uh, something, something we could go grow from. You mentioned to me about your daughter. And your daughter's a Marine. Yep. Marines just had a birthday here a while back. The fact that this little scrawny chick who used to travel down the road with you. Yeah. Up and decides <laughs> out of the blue she's going to become a Marine. And uh, when, she, when did she join the Marines? She's been in four years now. So she when she was not, 18, she when she was 18, as soon as she could, she was gone. Now. So, 18, she was gone. Have you seen a change? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's uh, some good, some bad. Mm. It's not all peachy. It, it, it's tough on them. It, it takes a toll, it, it, especially an 18-year-old girl. It, there's mm. things that I can tell that has, has, has made a change in her, jaded her, made her more callous, more tough. Uh, it, Probably overall good. I always laugh and joke and tell this story. I'm like, honey, what are you going to do if some dorky boss tries to yell at you now? She goes, I'm going to laugh at him and be like, is that all you got? <laughs> right. I mean, she's had, you know, six foot tall women yelling till their veins were popping out of their neck and spit flying out of their face, you know, yelling at her, then making her do, I mean, you know, she's been through hell. So and she just kept, kept the, her cool. The, the, the the normal world's going to be pretty easy after you get that, I think. Right. right. <laughs> that that loss of uh, your precious little girl turning into a, a marine. Yeah. Has Devil to be a, dog, right? Yeah. Has to be a transition for a dad that's uh, hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she was going to the shows with me. Yeah. When she was 13, 14, 15 backing up and we'd go on a three-day show across the country and it was me and her so yeah it, it was tough but 
it's all good. We talk every day. She sends me Snapchats. There you go. <laughs> they go. Is that, is that what they That's what it is. So, and then uh, it disappears. So, so where at in, in Illinois are you guys from? Southern Illinois, Mount Vernon. Okay, so when I, when, I, when, I, when I think of Marine, I think of one of my old buddy, Steve Cool. He was grew up in a little town outside of Decatur, Illinois. That's I close. Yeah. Yep, not far at all. Uh, I think his wife was from a town named Mawequa. I don't know about that one, but I knew about uh, I met her uh, one time in New Orleans. Mawequa? Yeah. No, that was Shaniqua. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's just a little tidbit. I mean, yeah. he, he actually took off Friday for Marine's birthday and then Saturday for Veterans Day. Eating cake. Very good. Crayons. I think he probably hey. drank beer. He earned it. You yeah, bet. her and her friends went and got all their uh, free lunches on Veterans Day. You bet. They started the got free breakfast, they got free lunch, and they got free dinner. Good for them. Yep. That's all they did all day, so they earned it. I know a couple older, sure. guy, older guys that that's what they do. They go around to the local casinos, and they eat breakfast at one, and then they get free play at another one and eat lunch. And As they should. You bet. Absolutely. So Amen. Andy is – Fixing to move from Tennessee, try to move his business here to Arkansas. Yeah. Let's go. And yeah, uh, you have to put up with me a lot more now, right? And Martinez will have them two fishing poles <laughs> all well broke in for whenever mm-hmm. Andy gets. I'm here. not even going to use them. I'm just going to hang them on the wall. Oh no, <laughs> we'll definitely have to go fishing. Let's do that. I'm coming to the squirrel cook-off. That's, yeah, uh, that's, man. That's hey, right. another thing. You got any recipes? I've got a buddy that I just um, Wesley Miller. We just fished with. In Louisiana, that has a squirrel gumbo, and I said, "Dude, bring it." We're working on a cookbook. When he bring said he's it. got a squirrel gumbo, so I, I, I'll break the news. Andy's going to be in Arkansas on September seventh, two thousand twenty-four. Where oh, he's going to be at? Did we bump that up a week? Is that right? Or is it about the same time? Oh, That's it's before. It's, it's oh, bumped up to avoid before? bear season opening day of deer season. That's what season. I was thinking. So, to, and, uh, told me. <laughs> so get your priorities straight. So Andy's going to be in town. His company is going to be a part of the of the event. We'll probably be feeding people some fried crappie that day. Let's do it because food shortages are always part of our our event. Mm. We kind of takes run, a lot of squirrels, doesn't it? It takes all of them. <laughs> It's yeah. all of them. Uh, so we're probably going to have some crappie there. There's probably going to be some miscellaneous weird fish as well. But we're we're happy to have you. Um, ACC is a quality deal. Quality mm-hmm. deal. You can always tell a product by the guy that, that's operating it. And, and that's who I want to trade with. What did you want to say, Mr. Aaron? What? In your eyes, makes a man, a quality man. When you picture a man, what are some of his features? What does he offer? Strong jawline. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, good husband, good dad. There you go. Uh, treat your friends right. Treat people you deal with right. Uh, you, know, you can tell if you go out to dinner with someone, and they've got money, and they treat the waitress bad. I don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. Just treat people right. Be right. a good husband. Be a good dad. I yeah. think that's about it. I mean, that's if you can do that, you're doing pretty good. Very good. Well, you know, red words. Well, he's moving back to Ar- He's moving over to Arkansas. But I was just curious. I don't want to necessarily limit it to Tennessee. But where's your favorite place? Couple of places to go fishing in in Tennessee. 
Um, Watts Bar Lake is, Watts is Bar Lake. I'm about an hour and a half from. It's part of the Tennessee River, just like, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky Lake, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Gunnersville. Um, it's tough, tougher fishing out there. It's a lot of deeper, clear lakes. The, the fishing's not quite as good as it is out here. They don't have the diversity of lakes. And how far do you live from Knoxville? Uh, about 20, it's about 20 miles. Okay, so miles in the mountains, 20 miles is about Only an hour. Five, five minutes yeah, away. It, it's, five miles it, away. it gets to be, pulling a boat around in the mountains is pretty tough. Yeah. It gets old. We know all about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. So I'll go with two questions. Question one. If I fell into some massive money and I called you up and said, Andy, it's time to go, son. And we could go anywhere in the world and hunt anything we're going to hunt. Where are we going and what we're getting? Uh, hunting. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, Colorado elk hunt and fishing, I would say, let's go to the Amazon. Peacock bass. My cousin just went. But since I've got crappie rods, we could probably catch a couple on there. We'd have to loosen the drag. Oh, yeah. Have to play them. But the piranha. Piranha. Oh, yeah. Get four to five, six pounds, and they fight, and they're delicious. You just thumb them like an old crappie. I don't I'm, think you, you, you don't can. grab them with sure your you thumb, though, You can right? once. Yeah, you yeah. With, I'm twice. Maybe twice. You can twice. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to this. I, I think that this piranha fishing trip would be a, a quality fishing trip. Catch him on liver. Yeah. Toenails. If you were to give one piece of advice to an up-and-coming entrepreneur, a guy that's a visionary like yourself, outside of, of the general sacrifice that you talked about, what would that advice be? Realize that you're playing a long game. Don't be short-sighted. Don't, don't try to screw someone over today for a dollar tomorrow. Real, make relationships because that's what, that's what gets you there. Like we talked about, our, the mentors and and treat people right, even if it's a hard decision today. Stick with it; it it'll pay off. You're playing the long game. I like it, Jose Martinez. Wait, wait, before you get in there, this weekend I was digging through the Facebook that we were talking about, and I seen a picture. I sent it to you guys of a of a woman wearing a green shirt. And I believe it had like Tom Selleck, had well, Rip, had Rip on Tom there, Selleck. had some some other old boy. Uh, I don't know who he is on the bottom right, and then on the top right, there's a picture of Joe Martinez. What did that shirt say? You guys remember? The one and only. It it said something about my men or something. I don't know. I can't. I mean, I, I kind of feel sorry for that guy that he looks so much like me. That's damn sure. All my boys. All my boys. All my boys. Hey, and that's and that's a friend of ours' wife. She goes by Frog. Frog Julik. Frog. And Frog's a big time listener of the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. And for some reason So's so's her husband. Yeah. So for some reason, Frog Frog I love it. is I love it. Frog yeah. is sitting there listening to the the guaranteed, bass, guaranteed the bass the, and the treble of Joe Martinez's voice and just pumped. eating it up. Oh, quivering! Who is it? Well, I'm gonna say shout out to Frog. Yeah, Frog, all right. Hell, you better. She got a for picture of you on her shirt. 
So that <laughs> that runs right into my questions for I'm you, sure Andy. It did. <laughs> so uh, this is a little question I've always asked before. Your best childhood memory. Wow, that's a tough one. Um, we just need one. I'll relate it to, to fishing. Um, I remember being little. I don't know how old I was. And an old beat-up John boat with my dad and grandpa on Wren Lake when they were still standing timber. And I just remember sticking my hand in the water, you know, and letting the water go over. And I was just out there with my dad and grandpa, so I was cool. I was oh, as yeah, cool that's... as, you know, as you can be. I don't know what we fi- – I don't know if we caught any fish. I think they were checking jugs or something. I didn't care. I was little – Sticking my hand in the water with my dad and grandpa. That's a good memory. It proves how simple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of the, the things. It's the simple things. That stick in our head for the rest of our so life. So my second question, this goes right back to Frog. Oh, Frog. Um, Who have you ever had on your I would like I would like you to do a shout out <laughs> to your best friend. Your lifetime best friend. Shout out right here. Ah, I've got a lot of, I've had friends come and go. I've had some childhood friends that we went our separate ways. And right now, damn it, Jim. that's a tough question. I would say, you Must know, be an Illinois thing. I just got one family or, you know, if wife. you can say something, it can be more than one to a group of them. It can be more than one. What would I say to them? I mean, it can be more than one. Shout out. Well, I would say, place. I would say, and thanks for believing in me because I used to be, I used to be wild when I was young. I partied and sure. yeah, I never went, was went like to that. jail a couple <laughs> times, but you know, I wasn't, oh. I didn't have my shit together when I was in my twenties. So, you were only yeah. visiting though. Right? Thanks to everybody for uh, believing in me and sticking with me, and here we are. Yeah, cool. My good, here you are on our podcast. Uh, hey. Back to the top of the mountain. Nowhere, <laughs> nowhere but up, brother. Yeah. Nowhere but up. Man, I sure do appreciate you being here, Andy. I look forward to uh, continuing our relationship and, and uh, your success in, in whenever you get here to the natural state. Yeah, I can't wait to see you in this you market. And, uh, when, are you th- when are you thinking about? Well, we got to build a warehouse. Oh, we, we got know plenty of room. We know some guys. Yeah. yeah. So they said you'd come on the podcast free warehouse. Come yeah. with it or something. Yeah. Like free consulting. The, the That's free the guy with the million dollar bus be, uh, who negotiates those yeah. kind of deals. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's above our pay grade. <laughs> no, I, I'm excited. We we got to find a piece of property and get, get something built and get the business out here first, and we can come find something to rent. You know, live in a camper, a trailer, a ditch. One of your guys' garages. Something front yard. Got a really nice bar. Joe's got a real nice place for forty thousand. Comes with a hot tub. (laughs) We'll sleep at the foot of your bed. Be like a guard dog. You'd have to share that with old Junior. Hey, for all of our listeners, if you haven't started fishing yet, if you're a grandpa, grandma, if you're a young person, it's probably a great time to grab a fishing pole. And of course, we're going to say grab one of these ACCs and go out there and, and and catch yourself some panfish. And uh, grab one of them young bucks in your family. Hey, Take Christmas is coming up. Christmas I guarantee you. Up. If it's not on their list, it needs yeah. to be. I know what's on my list for my dad. And it looks good just wrapped with a bow tied to it. There you standing go. Up there you on can't the hide the fact of what you've done got somebody when you got them a Green is a Christmas color. It is a Christmas color. Man, value for value comes in all different ways. 
one of the values is if we got someone like like uh, ACC sitting here, go out and spend some money and, and, and contribute to them. Not all the value has to come back to cooking up a story, but we are accepting yep. it. Yeah, and w- along with value for value, thanks for Mike Brady for keeping us hydrated this evening. Mike Brady, man, three bottles. Coming through. Oh, Thank man. you, my friend. Three bottles. That's a big deal. That's and I think we got some swag from Andy, right? We, yeah. we got some sweatshirts. Yeah, got some sweatshirts. Yeah. Non-shrink, he said. That's good because yeah. a lot of my clothes have been shrinking over the last three, four years. <laughs> I ain't been shrinking. <laughs> Mine, same way. Same way. <laughs> and, uh, it's that new detergent. <laughs> before before Aaron, that well water. Before Aaron kicks us out of here, I'll, I I want to say we love getting your messages. And every time you send me a message or send a message on Facebook or whatever, I transfer that message over to Red Words and to Aaron and to Martinez. And we all get tickled by hearing how some of you people have been on the ropes and somehow our conversations Lighten have, your load. have helped you out. And, and uh, it's, it's a big deal. We never... Yeah really dreamed about it when Aaron and I was sitting in the man cave talking a couple years ago that we would we would contribute in the ways that you guys say that we contribute we still don't believe it a lot of times yeah how many episodes deep are we boys 81 uh, 80, 81 episodes. 81 and and here, here's 82. the thing the sitting around the fire and talking to people is is a absolute part of being a man yeah um, the conversations don't have to be about what you've seen on the news. The conversations can be about what you're feeling inside, whether it's good, bad, the emotions that you're going through, the struggles that you're having. It's time as a man to go ahead and tell the people that you trust around you what's really bugging you. It's uh, Depression is a real deal, but it can be fixed by putting the right support around you, and it doesn't have to be medicine. Um, good people make good things happen such as andy and so that's that's my little that was perfectly said you bet i've got nothing to add me neither good evening amigos yeah we love you like it and if you take a picture and put it on a shirt of joe martinez we definitely need to see that i mean i can i can work something We'll see y'all. All All right. Cheers. They're in the barbecue cooking women. Say they're good looking. And to me, there ain't a way to go wrong. If you're out at the lake or with the hippies getting baked, they're going to love it if you turn it on. If laughter and good times, tall tales and big lies fall under your category, get with Aaron and Joe's because you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story. Just get with Aaron and Joe's, hey, you know you want to go and hear them cooking up a story.